Welcome to Star Being, the podcast that explores the cosmic essence within you. I'm your host, Tara Lee. In this space, Star Being is an invitation to connect with your divine spark, to journey towards higher consciousness and your boundless potential. Like stars in the night sky, we are interconnected with the celestial realm, serving as guiding lights in the vast universe. As we embark on this transformative journey through realms of wisdom, healing, beauty, and conscious living, Star Being serves as your guiding star, sparking curiosity, igniting change, and revealing the path of self-discovery and spiritual exploration. Just as stars evolve, so does the essence of Star Being, signifying a connection between your personal spiritual evolution and the cosmic order. A reminder that you are on a path of continuous growth. Join me on this cosmic adventure where we transcend earthly limitations and tap into the universal consciousness that unites us all. Welcome to episode two, Heart Intelligence, The Power of Knowing Thyself with Julie Pyatt, also known as Shramanti. She is a multifaceted being recognized for her contributions in the field of spirituality, wellness, and plant-based living. She is a spiritual teacher, author, mother, plant-based chef, and what I would consider a life artist, inspiring us to lead a more conscious and purposeful life. In this conversation, we speak about reframing beauty standards, galactic perspectives on true radiance, journeying through different dimensions, past life memory retrieval, the sacred passage of death, and the plant-based alchemy and her culinary magic. This conversation, we really went deep and I feel it is the perfect conversation to set the tone of the podcast. So I really do hope you enjoy this. Julie has been an inspiration of mine for many years and this was an honour to speak with her. Welcome, Julie. I am so honoured to have you on the podcast and I... Yeah, I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. I feel that the time that we're in right now, there is more spirituality um, coming into the conversation. So I feel that this conversation with you is really potent and really needed, especially in a time I feel where spiritual leaders or the ones that are leading us can sometimes misguide us and all over the years I've been really on the journey with you and just loving your not only your rebellion but you leading from the heart and really walking your talk and so yeah I would love to I'd love to know where your energy is at the moment and yeah how how you're feeling um in this in this current energy beautiful thank you tara yeah i mean it is it is such a potent time potent potent time and you know i would even say the reason that we took a body for is right right now and and we can feel this quickening this um it's like right before the birth it's like we're we're here and the energy is quickening quickening 
Um, and there are, you know, systems coming down and uh, beliefs that are being uh, completely collapsed. And I think one of the things that you're speaking to being, uh, you know, one of the, we'll say, genetics that came in with this awareness um, is that uh, in my experience, everything in this realm has been reversed. Uh, and that includes the uh, information of the new age uh, spiritual, you know, information. So it's, it's almost, and this isn't our fault. It's by design. It's as if everything that existed here has been reversed to um, subvert our power, to keep us in the slumber and really keep us suppressed uh, because we are used for other factions of, I would say, a non-affirming life or anti-life frequencies that are using our, our heart, our emotion, our empathy, our knowing, our beauty, our creativity, our power, um, because there is nothing more powerful than a human being that knows itself. And yet we have... Uh, incarnated into this realm. This is the nature of the realm. This is the nature of the play. Uh, but this is the moment that this status quo for thousands of years is over. It's just not its time anymore. It's not anyone's fault. It's not that, you know, humans are so low or we're so dumb or, you know, whatever the thing is. It's just that this is the moment that the, that the realm shifts and it's a new frequency. It, it, it is not like any other time in history. It is this planetary procession and opening that is described by many different lineages. And of course, in, in the yugas and in Vedic, um, Vedic lineage. Uh, but again, I'm not really, um, I, I am led through my heart intelligence. Uh, I'm sort of a breadcrumb type of being. Like I get you know, I'll just be walking down the street and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, like a, a bluebird has just landed inside my purse, you know, and, but that's all I'll know for the moment until I keep walking and walking and walking. And then that will link to another clue and that will link to another clue. So I think maybe where we've been resonating, even though it's the first time that we're actually speaking to each other, not even in person, but on zoom. So, um, but is um, uh, this sovereign um, reclamation of our own knowing. And so what I realized after many years in this lifetime is that the most important thing is the perspective. And so uh, if, I, if you ask me a question, if I'm a Palladian from the you know, star system of Pleiades, I'm gonna answer it in that frequency. Um, and that's a generalization because there's different stars in that constellation, but let's just use it for example. Um, in my experience, if I ask a Mayan elder, he's going to respond from that frequency. If I talk to my galactic emissary, she's going to reply from that frequency. Um, if you talk to a Lakota Sioux chief, he's going to give you that. So it's it's what is the life form that that you are embodying as a fragment of the one and so that led me to the to the awareness that the most important perspective is your own. Mm -hmm. It is your own. And 
Uh, I love the Vedic um, jointish uh, science that gives us this map uh, of our own design. And so for me, um, it's been a, a cherished companion, although I use it loosely, very loosely, uh, because like everything, nothing is a complete science. It's been, something's been taken out, something's been reversed, something's been manipulated. Uh, but oh, the beauty of the Vedic um, sort of predisposition of the life that gives you a starting point to then find your way, verify, uh, overcome certain things. Um, so anyway, uh, that's kind of the overall perspective and specifically right now, me personally, um, I've been being drawn home in every single aspect of the meaning of that frequency. So in my meditations, in my embodiment, I feel a level of presence that I never have felt before. And a, a recollection of uh, the little girl that was six years old, the things that were naturally dear, uh, these sort of spiral time homecomings, weavings, of these parts, um, I feel that being connected to the supreme intelligence of the heart is your guiding mechanism. Your body intelligence will tell you. It will tell you where you're going, where you're not going, when you're going, when you're not going. Um, and it's a feeling intelligence. It, it's not a. It's not an intellectual. Um, so when I hear people giving dates and predictions in my experience, it's always wrong. Uh, you will never know and you will know in the moment what the right action is. Um, so I feel like we're right for uh, some sort of opening into another perspective of evolution. Uh, it's a big one uh, and that's mirrored in the uh, genocide in the uh, horror destruction uh, and also the expansive beauty if you have the ability to see the cosmic realms um, there is evidence of life-affirming energies that have reclaimed our realm and so these energies of war these energies of, of genocide they will not persist they will not live they will not continue there will be no world war three there will it's like this is like this is them freaking out the anti-life freaking out because their time is up uh and um so that's some perspectives i can offer I love that. Thank you, Julie. I um I resonate with so much of that, especially this different, I guess, timeline that you've offered. And I've been looking more into uh the yagyas in terms of the ages, the planetary cycles that life goes through. And it's interesting that that timeline that is offered is quite different to the religious dogma timeline that we have been offered. And I really feel like you're speaking to an element of that where there is a different timeline that we can be projecting and that it isn't set in stone and we have the ability to, you know, tap into our potential and start um, being the creators of our reality 
And that is why I connect so much to your teachings because they're always bringing you back to reclaiming the self and reclaiming uh, our memories and those different lifetimes that we have had. And so I just, yeah, I really love that. There's that different timeline and it is not one that, well, lately I haven't been connecting to, that it is one of continued destruction, that there is that opportunity for more light, more awareness, more, you know, spirituality. And I'm seeing that more and more now where we can have these deeper conversations. And I love that you speak about connecting to the heart uh, and it's interesting to me, you know, if you rearrange the letters of earth, it, it is heart. And I think that is, you know, everything that we are um, incarnating here for this ability to, um, yeah, really remember our light and how powerful we are. Beautiful. Yes. I am, um, you know, uh, these this experience that we are all participating in, that we are all contributing to, um, we are creating it in the moments of our conscious awareness together, individually, as groups, and as a collective. And yes, that exact thing of remembering that we are creators, that we are uh, the ones that are bringing this Christed vision. And when I say Christ, I don't mean Christian, I mean the Christic vision uh, the great work is to hold the appearance of the highest vibration, despite all appearances to the contrary. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm in denial. I'm not walking around with my head in the sand, not not acknowledging the horrors and like stuff that, you know, the gnarly murder, you know, sexual predator, uh, you know, program, the annihilation, the suppression of the feminine, you know, all kinds of things, the the destruction of our planet, you know, I'm not in denial about that. I'm focused on that. However, it's a choice. The great work is to shift the consciousness because it's a war over consciousness. And especially now on our devices, because we're able to watch these horrific, brutal happenings in real time in our beloved humanity and other geographic locations. Um, the great work is to, um, is to be the master of your consciousness. And so uh, there is a time to scream and cry and wail and grieve and, you know, protest. And there is a time to create, to be the creator of the more beautiful world that you wish to find. And everything is transformed in the moment. And so we all have our moment uh, to choose how we, how we utilize our consciousness, where we place our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, uh, standing by watching the fire and calling out fire, 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 fire does not create the, uh, expression of the eternal palace of the, you know, of the divine, of the, beauty of the uh, unconditional love and the celebration of diversity and all these things. So, you know, we all have our place. Every, every life form is different, but um, that is the work. That is the work. And, uh, and so in the moments, uh, there is an opportunity for great evolution, great expansion. And 
uh, really cultivating that energy. That's why many times the meditators, you know, deep meditation and being able to tap into that field amplifies that frequency. Mm. So, you know, I feel like one of, you know, one of the gifts of this very uh, potent time is, uh, you know, spiritual connection is not going to be um, an extra. It's going to be absolutely required, Mm. you know, because we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. Of course, it's a choice. We are all potentially divine if that is what you choose. Um, And there's no judgment. Like, I don't think you know, the sun doesn't care if you're religious or spiritual or an atheist or anything, <laughs> you know, it's mm. just, it's simply a choice of life experience. So anyway. Yes. I love that. I love the, that you speak so much about that presence. And I, I feel that way with karma. So, you know, in that moment, how we're choosing to respond to whatever is coming towards us is that opportunity for us to really sidestep into a different uh, pathway. And so I would love for you to speak, um, Julie, on your concept of the multi-dimensional realities and that there is this potential for us to be living at different timelines because what has been coming up to for me recently is I experienced a very visceral past life and I wasn't even in a meditative state or anything like this and uh, it was in the Egyptian times and just having that past life experience um, actually healed um, this. I was having um, for the last two years I was having really intense sweats and going back into this past life was able to really shift that for me. And it was almost as if this concept of when we heal our past, we're healing our present and potentially our future. So then I've been playing with this concept of perhaps we can tap into the future higher vibrational self and potentially are we tapping into that consciousness and that is available to us if our past lives are, you know, impacting us. I would love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, beautiful. Um, well, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to know more details about about your experience and, and how that came about. Was it um, so? When you say it wasn't when you were in meditation, can you just share like how did it? How did the how did the memory come? Yeah, definitely. About uh, two years ago, I was actually in a meditation. It was on a full moon and I was in a very deep meditation. And that is when I first had the experience of um, being in a past life in ancient um, Egypt in the library of Alexandria. And it was when it was in destruction. And that was quite um, an emotional experience. I'd never experienced a um, past life um, before. And then this recent time that was very healing was I was reading a book and it actually just mentioned the burning of the library and I was in that moment. It was like it, it transported me. 
um, back into that time and I was um, this record keeper in the library as it was um, burning and I was trying to read as much as I could before. Um, yeah, that that is. Um, and the, the healing um, was me being in the fire um, and what I was uh, working through the past um, couple of years is night sweats and I went to every Western Eastern doctor and I there was I, like my bloods my my everything was perfect and they couldn't understand um, and so it's just been this really interesting experience because I never realized that something in the past could physically affect us in this current reality so it's been a very interesting experience for me yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so yeah, so many things to, to sort of share, uh, share about that. So, um, in my own experience, um, I worked with a mentor who was in his, uh, late seventies and he was, uh, I would call him an occult, uh, master occult occult means hidden, um, for anybody, for anybody listening. Um, so he started to teach me a type of multidimensional uh, healing work. Um, and it's kind of uh, similar to like a modern shamanism, like the type of healing that I do. I don't ever touch anyone. And I actually prefer to work with someone who's not in my space. I don't, I don't do personal sessions because it allows me uh, to transport it easier, you know, without the, without the physical person in front of me. But one of these experiences that he shared with me, which was hugely impactful, speaking to your uh, your uh, awareness of of traumas traveling through timelines. So he had a client who came to him who uh, had uh, her her legs were deteriorating, and they she had this weird disease, and she'd been to all these doctors, and they didn't know what was happening, and they they couldn't explain it. And so she came to him for one session and then she came back for a second session. And in the second session, she told him that she had been driving in a car following her husband, her beloved, and she had watched him get um, cut in half by a semi-trailer right before her. And she was the first one on the scene of the accident. And it literally sliced him in half. So what had happened is his his energy because she's his love and she has this open heart and she arrives on the scene and he's been in this accident he attached into her and his energy was not free mm -hmm. and so after a year her body started to exhibit the same energy of this of this trauma now it's a uh, my teacher did two more sessions and her legs repaired themselves and the soul was set free and that was fine so that's a that's sort of like one dial click beyond it being you, right? That mm. was a loved one. Mm. Uh, but we can look at these aspects of ourselves as loved ones. I mean, being reconnected with these identities is much like retrieving a lover. It's an aspect of yourself. And so one of the things that I have um, sort of mentored in Water Tiger, my spiritual community, is uh, this awareness that we are 12 different simultaneous identities um, that are all sourcing into one, the unified 13th. And that's what this life is about. 
Um, why 12? I just have a knowing. Um, 13 has always been the number that has guided my life because 13 means the number of unity. And I know that in this lifetime, we are collecting identities of ourselves and like amalgam, putting them into one, you know, integrating, making an amalgam of all these different experiences. And you will start to maybe retrieve these in a very visceral way. Uh, you could have, you know, for instance, I always could dance. I always was a natural dancer. I didn't take dance, but I always could dance. It was never like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Um, you know, that's one of my identities. You know, I always, I've always worn, wore hats and ponchos. It's part of my, it's not an outfit for me. It, it is part of who I am. I don't, it's, it's completely natural. Um, one of my identities is an Argentinian horseman. I'm a horse whisperer in Argentina in a certain time space. Um, I'm a priestess of a fire in ancient Greece. I've been doing fire ceremonies for years and I have immense power with that element. You know, I've, I've, I've conjured rain. I've caught like all kinds of stuff have happened and it's not, it, it's natural to the human being, but it's a memory that I've retrieved for me. Um, so knowing also that I have so many incarnations in the Vedic lineage, many, 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 um, it just allows you to start to understand, oh, wait a second, like I'm so much more than Tara in this human body, in this relationship, in this vocation or whatever it is you're expressing. And so what I would suggest people do is start to take note of the things that you love, the things that you're naturally, you have an interest in. Um, and these things are really, really important to your embodiment for your reclamation of the memories. Uh, and yes, these affect uh, past and future because outside of this realm, there is no past and future. There's only now. So uh, simultaneous embodiments, uh, no past or future, only now. So yes, reclaiming the memories affects all, all that perspective within that within that spiral time. Um, and as a creative, as an artist, it's a, it's a glorious way to live when your view, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, someone could say, oh, well, I don't believe you. That's not true. Or, you know, how does she know that or whatever? Well, okay, it's fine. But, but I'm having a lot of fun. Like I have a, I have a lot of fun and I have a lot of bandwidth. So it's like that in my, in my experience, better to think my way you know, I just knew, I was like, wait a second. I was like, we're just here and we just get married and we get a station wagon and we have some kids and we drive around and we have a shitty job. I was like, can't be, just can't, it has to be more than that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's a, it's a profound time. Uh, and as a human being, we are time beings, meaning we time travel. Mm -hmm. uh, and if anybody isn't clear about that, you can just close your eyes and take yourself to a memory anywhere in this planet, on another planet, uh, in any identity, you are the master of your own consciousness, potentially, if you're not being led around by someone else's narrative. And so our consciousness is profound, profound, profound. And when we go to sleep at night, uh, we leave our bodies you know, the body is sleeping, but we're out. And that's why many times 
you know, you just wake up and you can't get back back in your body or you have this feeling or this, you know, uh, essence that you've been in another time space or, uh, so the human being is a complex, eternal, angelic form, a Christic form. And, uh, we are much more than we know much, much more than we know. Mm, I love that, Julie. And just as you um, speaking, I had the honor to look into your chart. And the first thing that I notice, I always look at the fifth house, which is connected to sort of like, uh, which you would be familiar with our past life credit and you having Jupiter in there, the guru. Um, and so coming into this incarnation with um, so much wisdom already, so much knowledge, um, and just as you're speaking, I was just, um, yeah, smiling to myself because uh, there's so many aspects of your chart that you are just deeply living and um, looking at your chart, I just, it's another layer of um so much more love for you as well because there's just so many beautiful elements of it. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. And um, I on, on this um, topic, Julie, with these multidimensional lives and, our, you know, our infinite potential, I have always loved over the years how you have spoken about the sacred death process and I uh, myself have experienced this with um, my own mother passing and you shared with me very recently that your mum has passed and so on this tender topic, I would really love to, um, yeah, just take this moment and celebrate her life. And also I would love to know what is, what is on your heart with the passing process and how do you see these as, you know, again, talking about these narratives that our society wants to have around, um, you know, things like death, I'd really love to know your, your perspective. Thank you so much, Tara. Yeah. So my mom, so we're recording this on Friday. My mom, um, had her sacred transition on Tuesday evening. So it's been a few days. Um, my mom was 96 years old. Um, I had a, uh, really beautiful relationship with my mother, um, she was, uh, incredibly generous being very generous, very independent, very, um, creative and full of life. And, um, you know, it's not, it's, she wasn't like the perfect mom in the way of like doting with me. Uh, but we had a very fine, very beautiful, um, wellness between us. We were just good. Like it wasn't, it didn't require like all that much. Like we were clear, we were clear from the very beginning. And, um, and she just, what she really taught me was generosity. And that's what I've been sitting with. Um, 
I did a lot of grieving for my mother over the past years. My father died in about eight years ago, and it was my father that I had all the all the uh, conflict with. You know, he was an NRA member, a hunter. Um, you know, he couldn't understand why I was practicing yoga, thought I was in a cult, you know, why, why the elephant God, you know, um, why are you vegan? Like, how could you be vegan? You know, I mean, we were, he was an engineer. So he was two plus two equals four, Julie. He'd be like, hello, two plus two is four. And I'd be like that. Two plus two is 22. And it would make him insane. And so I did. And also, I, you know, I was quite rebellious. So I was, you know, pushing the button, you know, uh, whenever I felt appropriate type of thing. And was definitely much more sexualized than, you know, he wanted his daughter to be at a young age. You know, I was very precocious. And and so he he preferred my sister. Like that was his, you know, that was sort of what he felt good with. But um, But we also shared... Uh, a love of nature. Um, I used to take flying lessons with him. I have 10 hours on my logbook. He was a pilot, a hunter. Um, I mean, I've gone f- flying with him in this tin can two seater plane, like by Mount McKinley in Alaska. And um, I had a, a tremendous respect for him because he was a real Indiana Jones type guy. You know, he mapped the, the jungles of the Amazon. Uh, he would, all of his, um, all of his vacation time would be spent in the bush, flying out, landing on a glacier. And my mom was living, you know, in town, had a fashion boutique. My mom was from Chile, from Santiago, Chile. And he had met her there and then brought her back to the United States. So um, they were a very adventurous couple. They were married their whole life, had five kids. And my dad, much to my surprise, at the end of his life, um, he uh, he just was done living. He was 92 years old. And he said, he called me and said, I just want to tell you that you've been a really good daughter. And I was so, I was like, dad, that's so nice of you. Like, that's incredible that you would give me that. And I was good. Like, I had already written him lots of letters saying you're the perfect dad for me and whatever. But um, for him to say it was really sweet. And he said, you know, I'm going to be going soon. He wasn't sick at all, but he was just done. Mm. And I said, dad, I'll do everything I can to help you die. And he said, thank you. And so when the time came, his heart sort of dropped. They they admitted him to the hospital. And for some reason, I was alone with him for like a half a day. I started disconnecting his energetic systems. And then we went back to his room. He was, you know, out of it in a, you know, sleep state. And then they said, uh, we're, you know, you can go home. His organs are shutting down and we're going to release you home. So I said, dad, we can leave. And he sat up and he said, get my clothes. So I gave him his clothes. And then I said, you know, you haven't eaten in a bit. So do you want to have some applesauce? And he goes, yeah. And so here I am on the hospital bed, feeding him applesauce. He had blue eyes. And all of a sudden, the ancient one was sitting inside of him looking at me. I'm feeding the ancient one applesauce inside my dad. And like every hair on my body stood up. It's indescribable experience. It's like that eye of the whale. It was that, you know, that consciousness. So anyway, we ended up uh, taking him home and, and we sang in his room and held vigil and 
Um, we were with him when he took his last breath. And I was like, dad, you know, you're going on the greatest expedition of your life. And of anyone I know, you know how to go on an expedition. So, uh, you know, using the terms like, I love you. Well done. You know, uh, congratulations on an amazing life. Thank you for everything, for all the experience. And, um, when he took his last breath, we bathed the body in rose water. I had created an altar to my parents and my sister and I swaddled his body in this beautiful cloth and then sprinkled rose petals around his head and swaddled him. And then at the end, I, I put my mala around his head. So here was this NRA, you know, totally not into the yogi thing. And then at the end, I just, I just knew, and I'm, and I had asked my mother and she said, just do what you do, honey, just do what you know how to do. And, mm. and I had to laugh because I had this, um, water from the Ganges river. My friend Deb had been to the mouth of the Ganges and brought me back a vial. So as he died, his, his mouth was open. And so I poured the water in his mouth as his last drink with earth. And his mouth just started to close and close and close and close. And it, it was in a soft smile. And so my dad died like a, in Samadhi, like a Samadhi state. And I had to pull the car over and laugh my butt off for the last next three months because it was like, I know a lot of spiritual people. I know gurus, I know teachers, I know shamans. This man was not supposed to have this experience and he did. And so from that experience, it was incredibly freeing because I sort of dropped any last judgment of anything. Mm. Like no matter what anybody's doing, I'm like, we don't even know who anyone is. Mm. You have no idea who anyone is. What, you know, if in order to have the movie, you know, someone's got to play, you know, the different flavors, the different colors of the movie, right? So this was a huge teaching for me. And in his death, he's been more with me uh, just in the way I live my life, uh, my work with Dom and her and the indigenous, my dad served the indigenous for 47 years and in Anchorage, Alaska, he built all their schools, art museums, uh, hospitals. Um, so my mom, we thought she was going to go pretty soon afterwards. And it's been eight years. Um, she has been uh, just a, an expression of gratitude, of resilience um, she became not uh, immobile, not able to move. So she's been in a bed for maybe a year and a half or two years. And her perspective is always lemonade. Um, she said to me a couple weeks ago, Julie, this bed is so comfortable. You just don't want to get out. And I just laugh, you know, and then she also had this like al alternate experience where she had another marriage with another man. Let's talk about timelines so, you know, and people in the 3D, they call it, oh, she has dementia and they go into the whole explanation. Well, my mom took only two pills a day that were, you know, very benign. And she had a whole reality that was with her for about 10 months. So she knew the man's name. Um, he had a plane outside the, outside the house. Uh, they were taking, you know, orphan children down to Chile. She knew exactly where her house was, exactly what it looked like. You know, and uh, and so, you know, who's to say? And within this experience, it was a very rich inner life, 
because she was still having life experience, even though she couldn't walk around or she couldn't go places. Mm. So in the end, um, I had, you know, we had shared everything and we, we, she loves my jewelry, my Dom and Hurian jewelry. I have big rings and bracelets and she did too. And so every time I came in, she, first thing she'd say, let me see your bracelet. Let me see your ring. And I would buy her really beautiful rings whenever I would travel and always take them to her. And, um, and right when she was passing, she opened her eyes and was staring into my eyes. And, um, right before she passed, she shifted her gaze and clocked my bracelet in my ring. Uh, and it's also a spiritual tech technology from Dominer, which, um, which there's a frequency that assists so on many levels, it was like my friend Brian was like, she was like, last looks, last looks before I go. Um, but also giving me the nod of this frequency to assist her. And so when she receded into the gap, um, I was staring into her eyes and all the rest of her family were there. And I just smiled and I was like, you did it. Like you did it. So you know, I know she's my mom um, and, you know, people have shared with me that I'll go through these sort of uh, different feelings. But, you know, I don't know if I'm going to because she, and we had the blessing that it was her time and I had so much time with her. Mm. And so, um, so I think that in death, really being conscious that it is a birth into more life. It's a birth into more life. It's what it is. Understanding when we have uncontrollable feelings of grief and suffering. This ties our loved ones to this realm. It's not easy to get out of this realm. It's, it's not as simple as, oh, they pass and they're in a better place and it's done. Oh, it's a journey. It's a journey. So what we can do, excuse me, is we can uh, create altars to our loved ones. We can send them the energies of I'm with you. You got this. I believe in you. I trust you. I thank you. Well done. You know, see these type of energies, almost as if, if I was going to jump out of an airplane and I was afraid of heights, mm. you know, if everybody's standing around going, fuck, like, mm. no, you know, it's like, mm. that's not helping. But what's helping is that I trust you. I believe in you. Like you're going to do this. It's like, we need to shift that energy that we give each other and also bring back the awareness of death as sacred passage. We're all going to have that portal. And in a way, collectively, we're in that portal right now. You know, it, it's a birth death, it death birth. So same sides of the coin, same sides of, of the experience. I mean, different sides of the same experience, but um, I think taking back that power too, and understanding that you don't need me or a priest or a guru or anybody to tell you how to do it. Use your intuition and make a ritual and honor the body and honor your loved ones and find out what else you can do. You know, we keep the body as long as we can. Um, you know, there's many, many things. I, I think there's even some offerings into the earth, you know, her choice is cremation, which is my choice. Um, but, um, it's a, it's a beautiful life that we have a privilege to be alive. And, you know, the, the other thing I want to just mention too, is, is this form of the grail. So throughout eons of time, the grail, which is the most holy experience that we have available to us 
Uh, it is not definable, mutable, cannot be manipulated, quantified, anything. It is beyond uh, description. Uh, this grail was, uh, was uh, visualized as that which existed inside the sacred chalice, which is what we have sought for for eons of time. And Falco Tarasico, who is the founder of Dom and Her Spiritual Community, of which I'm an initiate, um, he brought in 2008 that the grail would change form with regards to this realm. And the grail now is in the form of illness. And so if anyone is facing a diagnosis of any, of any intensity, um, if you have an ailment, if your body is in uh, disease, uh, if you are transitioning uh, into more life, uh, consider that you are sitting with the holiest of the holy. The highest, highest holy is sitting within you. And by having this perspective, you can truly uh, be in this sacred bhava of, of meaning, of spiritual connection. So living a spiritual life means applying meaning to everything. What greater meaning could you have than if your body is in an imbalance to know that you are being visited by the highest force that exists? So as we evolve, sometimes the bodies will drop because the body has to have a certain level of technology in order to move with the quickening of the light frequencies. Not all of us will stay. Some of us will drop the body, but all of us will be guided into an ascension process that is in alignment with our own evolution, our own piece of the mirror. Um, and, um, and so to understand the transition is not the end. It is not a defeat. It is a triumph of life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, these are some of the, of the awarenesses that, um, that I feel are being brought back, you know, to many of us very powerfully. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that, Julie. I... Yes, yeah, so, so much. I that sacred death process and seeing it in such a a beautiful lens. And I love how you speak about that keeping that energy clear and that opportunity that you see in in death to for that expansion. And I think that, you know, in society it's really still, you know, outcast and, you know, we don't want to look there and um, for bringing that light onto it as a and, – and, and I love having this conversation because it's taken me years um, to get to this place of seeing it as, as a celebration rather than um, something, you know, completely horrific on, you know, for those that are left – um, and seeing it as, yeah, like, like you say, and I think that is such an important point about with the releasing and the passing of the soul, um, how important it is to, um, yeah, safeguard that process and really give them a beautiful send off. So wherever that soul is going, it's like, a, I see it as a springboard 
giving them that that courage to um yeah and like really release those fears so thank you for yeah really diving into that absolutely yeah um it's uh you know it's it's really curious how in our culture we just act like it's never going to happen or something I mean it's 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 not intelligent at all like there's no preparation people don't even know what to say Mm. you know like in my history of the fact that I've been more comfortable with it and speaking about it. It's like, you know, some people can't even face it or don't even know, you know, how to move or what to do. And so throughout the years, I've supported people by, you know, letting them know, like, like imagine a blue light, like, because you're like, somebody died, what do I do? Well, there's nothing, you know, you feel quite helpless. Mm. What you can do is bathe them in this frequency of blue, of calm, you know, and again, uh, um, it's it's what consciousness are you expressing around them? And it's that sort of support. So we can be, um, you know, vessels of of uh, support and love and friendship. Uh, but we can't do that if we have no idea what we're doing and we're just caught up in our own, you know, our own grief. And, you know, listen, this is very different. My parents were both very um, very old. We lived a long life together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also experienced, you know, uh, my close friend's death of her four-year-old. Um, I lost my boy's father as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's different, obviously, at different ages, it, it hits differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, in the eyes of the sacred, it is all divine. Mm-hmm. It is all divine. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Julie. I recently heard um Dr Zach Bush say that we're more afraid of the aging process and to give that much more thought than the dying process and I you know following your journey Julian what I've drawn inspiration from you is the graceful, and this is, um, you know, I can see so many elements of your Libra rising here in the beauty and the, the Venus that um, is emanating through you. Um, how, I would love to know your thoughts on beauty. Again, another narrative of, I feel, disempowerment for the woman. Um, how have you navigated so gracefully and, you know, you probably have better words around the aging process, um, but I would love to know your your experience and, yeah, your thoughts on, on this. Yeah, thank you. Huge, huge, uh, huge topic. Uh, yeah, and I agree with Zach a lot on that. I mean, it's kind of comical, right? We can chuckle about that one. Um, well, first of all, I want to say that I care very much about beauty. I'm an artist and I love beautiful things. I love beautiful spaces. I care very much about what I wear, what I look like. Um, It's very important to me in my brand and everything that I do. Um, So I'm not a renunciate. I'm not shaving my head and I'm not, you know, I considered it in some, some stage. I was like, maybe what if I shaved my head and then put on like orange robes? And I was like, oh, well that that's also an outfit as well. You know, um, but I think one of the most beautiful things to understand is that beauty, living a beautiful life is one of the first tenets of spirituality. 
So we are sensory beings. We feel and emote and taste and touch and experience and even sensuality and all these different things. And so I'm not saying, um, I'm saying uh, I embody beauty. Okay, so then um, the difference is, is uh, not chasing an idea of beauty that has been advertised and broadcasted um, which is in the psyche of all women on this planet and has been for eons of time. In my youth, it was my, you know, my uh, sort of uh, uh, image that I had to deal with was like the supermodels in Gianni Versace in Vogue or Elle. And then the really bad, you know, advice one was Cosmo, which had nothing useful in it. But, um, you know, that was who I was comparing myself to. Um, you know, today on Instagram, it's just like, oh my goodness, like how does one even get out of bed in the morning? You know, who knows? And there's all this, um, you know, uh, uh, metrics on the, uh, uh, the negative effect on our children. I have two young daughters as well who have been subject to this narrative. And it's been very, very trying as a parent to navigate through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is... Um, being so aligned within yourself and being courageous enough to look at what is. So uh, going to the mirror and sitting in the mirror and entering into a meditation technique where you are gazing at the third eye center and see what arises, see what identities come in Um, And starting to understand that we are such complex life forms that are living in different time space, that the desired aesthetic of, you know, the feminine is not one tone. It's not one lip size or one, you know, or like the, your, your face doesn't move at all. You know, I, I take care of my skin. I have a team that helps me, you know, I'm, it's not like I don't do anything, Uh, But I don't do anything that is stopping the expression on my face or some foreign body that's going to travel to, you know, to my nose and I'm going to have two noses or whatever that deal is. I mean, when we get to that level, um, you know, it it takes on something that is is not it's it's just not the most beautiful. It's not the most uh, powerful way to be. And so for many, many years, I had this lie that was living inside of me that was telling me that when I got to be at a certain age, I would be discarded and traded for a younger model. Mm -hmm. And that lie terrorized me. It was living in my frequency. And so I did a self-healing maybe 12, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe. And I rescinded participation with that lie also turned to the Vedas and spoke to my Swami, uh, who reminded me that the most creative point in a, in a female's life, in a feminine life, is after childbearing years. Yet this realm has completely annihilated us and turned it around. And you have women telling you that are my age. I'm 61. Women that are my age tell everyone they feel invisible, discarded, not, you know, not cared for, like all these things. And these are the women that are holding 
the immense wisdom, the real beauty, the depth, the knowing of all these years. And these are the women that we need to uh, come back and pick up uh, some of these pieces and create a new form with them. Uh, so it's that one lie that I think is really, really insidious inside the feminine form because um, it's a, it's a self-fulfilling lie. Like if you keep your focus on that, you know, I'm 61 and, you know, every, if you're lucky and you're blessed, you guys are going to be 61 someday too, <laughs> you know? So it's a matter of, uh, can we rewrite what it means to be beautiful? Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, the most beautiful objects in art, in design are the ones that are vintage, the ones that have the age, the wear, the, the aging, the refinement, like a fine wine, you know, a fine object. It's just not the same as the young, you know, as the, as, as just the young in years. Um, that being said, I always found the death, pro, uh, the death process on this planet to be very unnatural. And in my galactic perspective, the death program has been superimposed on only this realm. So the human being in its natural state is an eternal life form. So maybe that's why it feels so not right to us. Like somehow we know when I was younger, I used to think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to die young. Um, because I was just never down with the whole thing. And, and part of my mom's choice to be in the bed and to stay this long, you know, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't my, it wasn't my style, you know, like I, you know, I would say like, wow, you know, this, this death experience, you cannot guess it. Like, why are young children dying? And she's been ready for like six years, just, and she wasn't afraid. She wasn't grasping. She just, her wasn't her time. You know what I mean? Like you can't predict it. So I think in beauty, um, I always say in water tiger, one of my most famous quotes is there is nothing more beautiful than a being that knows itself. Mm. And you will see that, that, awareness, the power, the presence of a being that knows itself is absolutely intoxicating, irresistible, mm -hmm. fall down on the floor, magnificently beautiful. So it's not about a certain, you know, having your lips pumped up to be a certain, you know, size or Botoxing yourself. So your face doesn't move or, you know, it's, that's not really it. You know, the, the beauty is much more multidimensional than that. And then I also joke with my water tigers, because as you're doing this mirror gazing, um, you know, and sometimes you'll see other identities come in, you know, and you're like, oh, is that me? And it literally looks like an alien from another star system with like, you know, a nose on your forehead or like a, so I'm like, oh, you don't like yourself. Like there's a lot worse versions, like from a human standpoint, <laughs> it's like, oh, you could look like this gray alien. How, you know, how's that? So we always laugh about that. It's like, and the other thing is a wisdom that my mom, my mom, Vilna, we called her Abuela because she was from Chile. Uh, but Abuela would say, she'd say, I wish I wish I had been kinder to myself when I looked at my photos because as she aged, she would look back and say, I was beautiful. But at the age that you're looking at the photo, you just, 
criticize and say, I hate it or I don't, you know, it's like whatever we do as humans, you know? So be kind to yourself. Understand that the body that you're in is performing a miraculous operation without participation from your personality, from your intellect. You have nothing to do with it. So getting into the awareness that you are a sacred life form and start worshiping your body as a temple. And after that, you know, really, really honor who you are and, and thank your body. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. And there's always going to be somebody younger than you are. And there's always going to be somebody prettier than you are. You're probably a, a bunch of people prettier than you are. Um, there's always going to be that, you know, but it's like, that's irrelevant because your life is the most important life that you're living. And I mean, just seeing you and you have such a galactic look to you, like you have such a galactic presence. Um, and, you know, it's seen, I can see it through you the second that I saw you. So, uh, you know, you are a very magnific magnificent life form, a magnificent form that you're living in. What a, what a beauty, you know, and, and, uh, and so a little, a little, a lot more reverence for our bodies is how you bring out what is beautiful, what is beautiful, what is truly beautiful inside of you. And it won't be that your lips were perfect or you, or your face didn't move that, that won't be what touched somebody. In fact, that stops the energy from coming through. And, you know, I tried uh, a little bit of Botox after my fourth child was born. I was just beat up. And I, and I went, they were like, oh, we want to give you, you know, four. I was like, no, no, no. Just give me a half, like right here on my crow's feet or whatever. I couldn't feel my third eye for eight days. Mm. I was like, oh my God. Like they have literally lobotomized. I don't even know if that's true, but mm. they, there's no deadening. You have no feeling in your third eye. And I was like, oh my God, like it's another agenda to shut down our power. And, you know, I want to look pretty. I want you to look pretty. I want us all to look pretty. Like I'm not saying I'm not anti-beauty, but let's, let's choose it in a more meaningful way. And that was part of my journey, letting my hair grow out gray. Um, I had been dying it since I was young, super young, um, and always a brunette like you. So I identified, I had this identity as, oh, I'm a brunette. And then when I took the color out, I, I had to go platinum blonde, which was a complete universal joke because, I mean, I have plenty of blonde friends that I adore and love, but I'm just like, that's not who I am. So I had a whole new subset of like men asking me for my number. Like it was a whole other, there was a whole other world, like being a blonde, right? And not graceful, considered shaving my head because I thought my hair was going to fall out. Um, but finally I got it to this natural state and uh, you know, I would have given you all my money in the bank that it was white as Santa Claus. That's what I thought was going to grow in. And it's got all these different colors in it. It even turns a little blonde on its own just from the elements. I don't touch it at all. And it's like, can't we just, can't we rewrite the story of our feminine journey and stop 
taking these lies that have been given us by, you know, I'll say the patriarchy or the male presence or, you know, come on. And, and I will say to one of my dear friends, I won't, I won't name her by name, but she's 70. She is having more sex than any of my 25 year old friends that I know. It is hilarious. She got divorced a few years ago, husband, you know, cheated on her, not cool. And she is literally like, I don't know, she's had 20 lovers since that time. And, and so we just, how, like, I'm just laughing, like how amazing that is. So remember, it's just, it's all a perspective. And it's not that everybody wants that experience, but it's an energy. Mm. It's a frequency. Um, and, and remember we're moving beings. So we're, we're light color energy beings. Energy is moving. Um, so anyway, just a little bit on that. Thank you so much for that very empowering lens I yeah it's so beautiful to get your full thoughts on that and you know describing that that beauty frequency and I think that's important to acknowledge as well Julie how it's not all or nothing in the fact that you know that beauty is really important to you and I think that is the feminine you know that we're that we're craving those those beautiful you know, essential elements in our life and we can still want that but still hold the um, more of that depth of wisdom and I feel that as I've gotten older that is something that I've really wanted to to bring out because I feel that that aging process there's such that focus on that physicality and we're forgetting that we're holding all this wisdom and uh, I remember my mum saying to me that she would never go back to my age where I was maybe in my 20s and it always seemed so foreign to me I was like why wouldn't you and now I can understand you know being in my late 30s I can understand that because the wisdom and what you're able to access at this age um, is, yeah, something that as a society I don't think we give enough um, importance to. So I love that. And very much in the Ayurveda, it's very much about, you know, preserving and, um, you know, those, those techniques where we can, yeah, really look after ourselves and I think that is very much what you embody I love seeing that you um you know you love your pilates and you know you're very much into your beauty rituals and so I think that it's important that we're acknowledging that um beauty is important but it is doesn't have to be a certain way and I love how you said it is a frequency so thank you so much for that Julie Yes. Um, I just have one more question, Julie. I would love to know your journey with Shreemu, your um, high vibrational um, cheese that is not cheese. Uh, I would love to know the creative process of this. And it was very interesting when I was, again, looking at your chart um, not giving too much away about where your cancer placement was. Uh, it made a lot of sense to me that part of the Dharma um, is uh, connected to 
to food and to cooking. And so especially in this time, you know, going back to the Yagyas, um, you know, just coming into this Kali Yuga, which uh, there's this saying that we get all our prana from our food in Kali Yuga. Um, and so I would love to know, yeah, your your thoughts on the creative process of um, what you have been able to um, create and is it going to be available in Australia anytime soon? <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that about the, the pranic uh, access through the food and the Kali Yuga. That's, mm. that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I actually have one other question too, that I don't know if you, I don't know if you'll have time, but I yeah. want to, I want to ask you after this. So we'll see. You'll let me know. But, um, so the, I would say that, uh, creating food was never on any of my vision boards. I never related to it. Um, I, I'm a cancer uh, in both Vedic and Western. Um, I can cook for two people or 50 people. It was never a thing. I can just do it spontaneously. Um, it's a very creative act for me and it's based on smell and what I see. And I just, I never followed a recipe or anything, but I never knew that I would go, I would come in my life to authored three plant-based cookbooks. I've created over 400 plant-based recipes. Um, and it all started as a love offering to my current partner, Rich Roll. Um, he was training for a race called Ultraman, which is a double Ironman race. And I was recording music and don't really care about sports. And I had no idea what he was doing. And we had this agreement. He could train if when he came home, then I could go make music. So he came in, I handed him a baby and he kind of told me in, as we were passing, do you understand? I just ran a marathon. And I was like, uh, actually, no, I had no idea. I just saw the door open and close. And then he come back open and close, you know, tons of kids and whatever. So I made that decision that I would just love him because it was really easy for me and I knew it meant a lot to him. So that was the beginning of our plant-based food, um, food world that we've been in. And then I, I cracked the code on plant-based cheese. I mean, my European friends were begging me for the cheese. And I knew when I was hearing like, um, uh, you know, congratulations from my Swiss friends or, you know, my French friends were eating it. Then I, I kind of knew, okay, I've, I've really connected with something. And as an artist, I'm always doing the thing that's not scalable. You know, it's like, I, I haven't lived my life thinking about business ideas that are scalable. But finally, after enough uh, hours making food, hundreds of hours, um, I created this plant-based cheese collection that is literally uh, divine. It's the next evolution of cheese. It's universal, paleo, keto, dairy-free, gluten-free, plant-rich. Um, it is uh, such high vibration, pure, pure ingredients and rivals dairy cheese. And it's better for your body, the animals, the planet, our children. Uh, so it is a, an expression of, of heart and art. I named it Shri Mu as a play on Divine Cow, but also connecting it to me as a mother frequency and having this chart of people wanting frequency from me. So I named it Shri, my spiritual name being Shrimati, Ma Ananda Shrimati. 
Um, so Shri Mu, the graphic was better M-U, um, and also Mu being the name of our ancient Lemuria, where so many of us lived in creativity and beauty. So there was a sort of a few nods, um, and it's a, it's a black label. It's uh, shipped in a beautiful box, and, um, and I've recently moved my facility to Memphis, Tennessee. So I have my production facility in a vertical community called Crosstown Concourse, Crosstown Concourse is a million five hundred thousand square feet. It's the size of the Empire State Building on its side. It is a community of New Thought High School, um, artists in residency, healthcare for eighty thousand, uh, teaching kitchens, performance theaters, listening libraries with sixty thousand vinyls, and I am blessed enough that they welcomed me into their community, and I've opened my first Shrimu Wine and Cheese Cafe. Um, I do have a couple Australian wines on the menu, um, and we are just starting to be there in the community and to serve the cheese to this community in Memphis and see them freaking out. It's it's just a dream come true. It's it's beyond. But so it's not just cheese in a box. It's all the other elements that we're touching as we go. But what I do want to mention in alignment with your uh, reading about the prana being taken from the food. What I did not understand until I became an initiate of Dom and her and started to be um, immersed in Falco's teaching is that one of the most powerful rituals that we have available to us as humans is through the ritual of food. Mm. And so I started cooking in prayer. I don't do catering. It's too hard and not into it, but um, I do do exclusive um uh, cooking in prayer. So I create an altar in the kitchen, calling in the elements, the nature spirits, um, and really infusing the food with the prana of, of this world through my heart. Um, and the result is quite extraordinary. I have seen people weep. I have uh, seeing people feel a level of satiation, which mm -hmm. is very, very deep. And you know, we all have the power to enter into our kitchen temples. You know, we are keepers of the flame. We kept the sacred flame of the home and the heart in the kitchen. So really bringing that energy into the food. Now, a lot of our food has been contaminated. It's been infiltrated. It's been screwed with. Of course, if we can grow it, it's best. Or if you can shop at Erwan, it's best. But Or shop at the far farmer's market. But in addition to that, bringing the rituality and the sacred frequency of recognizing, making an offering plate to the nature spirits, which is something that I learned years ago in a tantric workshop here where we're first creating the plate and taking it out to nature. Um, all of these things are so, so, so powerful. Um, I've been in a practice of building ceremonial fire and from the very beginning, I've been feeding Shrimu to the deity fire, the fire deity. Mm. And uh, miraculous things have happened, both in my financial rounds, in the formulation of the cheese, because I'm inviting the winds, the waters, the trees, the nature elements, the devas into the cheese. So, you know, investors ask me, can this cheese be copied? And, and I say, no, like it's a living thing. It's, it's, it's a life form on its own. And so, uh, so Shrimu is a ritual, is a, has become a ritual. Um, 
And again, my life led me there through a series of organic movements that were relevant to me in the now moment. So if you're looking for a trajectory or a prediction, look in the now moment. We just talked about simultaneous lifetimes, multidimensional lifetimes. Yes. And remember the lifetime you're living now is the most important one. This is the one that's alive breathing in this realm where there is a line of souls trying to get in here. It's like we have the VIP seats. Mm. There's something going that is not going on ever before. And we're here for it. And it's happening within, around us and through us. And so remember how sacred your life is, how precious your life is. And this bringing me to my question, Tara, in my chart. So I'm at a point where I have a very deep core wound of my life that also uh, was from an Egyptian lifetime where mm-hmm. I, was a, I was an oracle of uh, that time, a very powerful oracle. And I was betrayed by the controllers and my friends, my, my colleagues, Um, And they tried to take my power from me. I had my head cut open while I was alive in a temple, in a theater. Um, And so even in the culture, even in the space that we know each other, I have only given a certain amount of myself. Mm -hmm. I have given, you know, just enough that I'm sort of in, but I'm not really, really in. And so what's sitting with me now is I'm facing this betrayal um, and recollecting this past, which you open the podcast with, is sharing your own experience in order to transform the now and the future, right? Bringing it all into the now. And so I wanted to ask you, looking at my chart of those placements, do you see that uh, demonstrated there? And is there any, anything else that you can offer me as, uh, you know, this work that you do, I, 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 I want people to know how powerful it is and how working with you and working with someone like Tara can give you so much, um, inspiration and good information so that you can make appropriate action at appropriate times. Mm. I love that so much. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, the you know the first thing that I uh, I noticed when I looked at your chart is I mentioned that your rising in the Vedic system is Libra, and the first thing that I thought about was the Egyptian times, which is very interesting because in Libra is seen as the scales and and that is just a, um, you know, interpretation that we're used to seeing the Libra as, as the scales. But going back to the Egyptian times, the, the scales weighing the heart against the feather. And I, when I was looking at your chart, it's very much this quest of going, um, helping others with their balance in life so balancing both their inner world and their outer world and so they can come to that reclamation of the heart and the feather and the weighing of the soul and being able to go on this um 
yeah, ha- having that. Um, so that was like at the core of what I was looking at when I was seeing your chart. And then the other layers was um, where you are right now, Julie, is an incredibly powerful time and you might have noticed the shift. You've only from the 5th of December shifted into a new Dasha um, point. Um, and so, yeah, and as I was reading that and looking at um, that, it's a different energy frequency that you're now um, entering into. and. I see it as being such an incredibly powerful time for you and um, I'm just so excited to, to see because, um, yeah, what I see is, yeah, really, really beautiful. Thank you. Well, it's profound because December 5th is when my mom mm. dropped her body. It was on that day. And what is the dasha that I'm in now? So you are now in sun, moon. I'm in sun, moon, dasha. Yes. And so I just love going back to the polarity as well, going back to the the scales, the the sun and the moon and having that beautiful polarity, being able to see it all, hold it all, the masculine, the feminine energy. And so, yeah, it's an incredibly powerful time for you. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for tuning in to Star Being. May the wisdom shared resonate in your soul. Until next time, stay connected and keep reaching for the stars. This is Star Being signing off.